Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We are not in the studio today. We are broadcasting live following the Ag PhD Corn Workshop. We are at the Ag PhD Field Day site inside the Morton Center. And man, we had a great crowd today. Lots of great questions and, uh, and great discussion around corn and what you can do to be more profitable and raise higher yields. So we're going to take questions from our audience today. For anyone in the audience, just raise your hand. Uh, we've got Cody and we've got Blaine that are going to run around and, and uh, give you a mic. Got a hey. couple already. Look hey, Darren. Yep. Got, got some volunteers. Yeah, and we've been getting a lot of questions in online as well if you want to hit some of those too. Yep, I will. Let's. We got a question right here, Cody, right in the front row if you want to All catch right. him. And uh, if you could, uh, if you could give us your first name and the state you're from, that would be great. Yep, go ahead. Yeah, Gary from Iowa. Uh, you've been talking about uh, improving things today with corn. Yep. And when you have improvements in yields, you have lots more residue. And you talked up there about uh, chopping corn heads and that sort of thing. And I think yep. you also talked about something, but you didn't delineate on it. Um, years and years ago, my father, I'm talking 40 years ago, had a friend of his when... Um, 28 was cheap, that he would spray it right on the corn stalks in the fall. Um, what what is what have you guys tried and what works best to help break down some of this stuff so we can mineralize it better? Well, you want to have good levels of nitrogen in those corn stalks. Now, that could mean you have to spray some on. But it also could mean, hey, if we had some extra nitrogen in our plant at the end of the season, maybe there's enough there. So you could, if you would like to, test those stalks to see what do I have left for nitrogen out there. But yes, I mean, there are a lot of people that will spray some nitrogen out because they figure, hey, I'm not going to lose it. It's probably going to get tied up in the short term anyway. So I might as well throw a little bit out, throw a little bit of sulfur out when you do that. And then the other thing would be some biological. So we use a product called Decomp, but there are some other products that are out there in the marketplace that will help speed that residue breakdown. Basically live bacteria that will help break that stuff down a little bit faster. So any of those things can absolutely make a difference. But yeah, the chopping corn head has been huge for us. Until we started using that chopping corn head, we were having lots of issues in our continuous corn with excess residue dramatically reduced now. Right, take the next question over here. Hi, Cody from South Dakota. Um, so you guys talk about uh, water right and bioprep. Yep. What, um, as far as getting your water tested, where do you guys send the tests and, and how often do you test? We don't test often. Uh, we just throw the stuff in there anymore because we figure it doesn't really change all that much. So a lot of the for example, rural water systems, they will publish their data and show you, hey, here were our tests through the to. year. Yep. Required to. yep, they'll show you here was our range through the year and here's what our water is. So you don't even necessarily have to test it because like here in our state, I mean, they're required to show you the information. But if you would like to test it, there are plenty of labs out there that will do it. Uh, we, we send just about everything to Midwest Labs in Omaha, but there are plenty of other labs too. But yeah, we, we aren't testing real often because uh, we know, number one, we got chlorine in the water. Okay, so that's an automatic have to have the bioprep in there. As far as the water, right? Um, you know, obviously Lower, Lowering it's the not, pH is a big deal. Right. Lowering the pH is a big so, deal. And, and if you've got calcium, magnesium, iron, <laughs> copper, those types of things in there, those positively charged metals, uh, that it really helps with that too. 
Right, thanks. Andy from Iowa. Um, I'm fighting uh, yellow nut sedge, something Ooh. fierce. I'm all conventional yep. corn, uh, corn and following corn, six and a half pH, probably average at 13 CEC. Where where are you seeing the yellow nut sedge? All across the field or I is tell it you, in? We're starting to see it in sand now too. And, and our drainage is good. Um, it's, it's just spreading something fierce. What I know there's products twenty dollars an acre that'll kill just that, but is there anything a guy can do? I I make a two pass with chemicals. Yep. What, okay. What's the best thing to do? Yep. Okay. So generally speaking, we see yellow nut sedge where drainage is poor, and that that's where Darren was going. At least that's where so, it starts, and it can yep. spread from there. Or if you do some tillage, you drag it around. Yep. That kind of thing. Yep. But I would say it, when you say drainage is good, I would still be looking at it and, hey, is there any way, any area that I can improve, even if it's a small area, whatever. So that's typically been number one for us. Once we fix the drainage, usually the problem starts to go away. Pre-emerge, you want to use dual. Post-emerge, you can use either Bassagran or Permit. So a lot of times people will do Bassagran plus Atrazine or they'll use Permit. So those are your three options. Make sure you use dual. And I know it seems crazy. You're like, dual? That's going to... Yes, I don't know why, but dual is actually not too bad on yellow nut sedge. And then, again, permit or bassagran plus atrazine. The other thing that I'll say is either before emergence or after harvest, if you still have nut sedge out there, I would hit it with a very strong rate of Roundup with a very low rate of water. So... Uh, whatever the, whatever that. the bottom yep. end of that label is, I think it might be three gallons per acre, but check that out. Yep, it's actually worked for us. So it's really so. concentrated droplets because it's so smooth you don't stick mini. I like some crop oil in with that mix too to try to stick it on those leaves a little better personally. Yep. Thanks. All right. Mike from Illinois. When you're testing for carryover nitrogen, yep. will you test the same amount of samples you would on a grid in a field or something less? Okay, so when we're going out doing our grid sampling, we, we're doing what, what they call a complete test at Midwest Labs. And so we are getting, uh, you know, all the NPK, sulfur, calcium, base saturation, pH, all that stuff. And nitrogen is just part of it. So it's already included. So we're doing that in zero to six inch samples all over our farm. Not every field every year, but I mean, a lot of samples. As far as the deep tests, we only do a few of those a year. And we're, we're going to do less if we see, oh, our top six inches, we only have a little bit of nitrogen there. Uh, we don't believe there's any reason why we should have a whole bunch of nitrogen still sitting in our profile. The main reason the last couple of years we've done more deep tests is because it's been drought. So we knew darn well if we had extra nitrogen out there, it wasn't leaching away. It was probably still in our soil, and maybe we could use that the next year. Yeah, we're getting a lot of great questions around corn production here. We're just wrapping up the Ag PhD Corn Workshop. If you have a question and you're listening at home, just send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. 
Planting preparation starts as soon as harvest ends. So do successful at-plant strategies. Put time on your side with at-plant inputs, insights, and innovations that help you make the most of next season's planting pass. You're already thinking about seed, inputs, and crop protection when you plan your season. Include them all in your planter to give yourself an at-plant advantage that pays off at harvest. Always read and follow all label directions. How can Naturals products help you raise bigger and better crops? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Biologicals, or Naturals as we call them, are impacting every facet of agriculture today, and that will only grow in the future. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals workshop, Wednesday, February 7th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of Naturals products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We are broadcasting live from the Ag PhD Field Day site, but we're not outside. It's still a little cold out there. We're inside the Morton Center, just wrapping up the Ag PhD Corn Agronomy Workshop. And we're taking questions from our audience. We're taking questions via email. So if you've got a question for us, it's radio at agphd.com. Let's head back to Wisconsin here for a good question. Dresden from Wisconsin. Um, in terms of corn rootworm pressure, um, what do you guys suggest if there's suspected resistance and after resistance? BT is resistance? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is getting to be a problem. There's, uh, I guess if you're not aware of this and you're listening today, there, some of the corn rootworm BTs are showing some signs of resistance in different parts of the country. And, you know, it was predicted. Uh, BTs weren't expected to last forever and ever. Uh, there's several different events on the market. We really like when you get more than one event that's going to help reduce resistance. We love this new SmartStacks Pro product with the RNAi technology in it. I think that's really good. But you know something we've done for a long time, Brian, is just use some insecticide in addition to using the trait. Yep. If you can do that, you kill a lot of bugs before they ever have to take a bite out of your root. Yep. So my, my best recommendation would be that. But Brian added one to it. And I've been talking about this as well, but I'll give Brian credit today. He was all over this. Kill your volunteer corn in your soybean side of your rotation early because corn rootworms will hatch. They'll look for a corn root. They'll find that corn root on your volunteer corn, and they'll beat your crop rotation. So we can wipe a lot of our rootworm problems out if we just sprayed early and often for volunteer corn. And it's cheap. That's probably the cheapest thing I mentioned here today. Go ahead. Um, I'm not sure if... People who own a seed company would suggest this, but do you guys ever suggest changing um, from one trait to a different yeah. trait? You know, it's not a bad idea if they have different events, but a lot of them have fairly similar events. So uh, you can download the, the handy BT table that a lot of the universities put out and compare what traits are in each one. Uh, I would say this, though, we're seeing a lot of benefit out of that RNAi technology, whether it's in the new VT4 Pro 
or better yet in the SmartStacks Pro. The only problem is they're the highest priced ones on the market, but there is a lot of value there. So I do, last year we saw a good return on that in our trial work. We're going to use it on a lot more acres this next year. Yeah, but honestly, okay, so there's some resistance out there. What percentage are resistant? 10%, 20%, maybe. Yeah, maybe it's 2%. All I know is if you use insecticide and things like Capture LFR, it's 10 bucks an acre. It's not that expensive. So I, I, I had mentioned like what our preferred program was in our farm. Even if we're in ro rotated ground, we're still using a full rate of capture LFR because it, like Darren said, it doesn't just kill the rootworms, it kills all these other bugs too. So we just think it's a really important thing to make sure you've got good insect protection out there besides just the rootworm. Yep, good question. All right, where are we at next here? Oh, over here. This is Gail from South Dakota. Hey, nice hat, by the way. I like uh, that. Yeah. Is that the Thank national yeah, champion yes, football is. team? I think so. Uh, what? That's the national champion football team there from and South the, Dakota Oh, yeah, State? that's for sure. Say, uh, I was wondering if you guys had any studies or maybe just an opinion on 20-inch row spacing versus 30. Especially if you want to use the same planter for corn and beans. We like 20-inch rows. Okay, we are running 30 intros on our farm uh, in part because years ago we were thinking about switching to 20 intros and our dad was all worried about it on our hills and everything else and oh it's going to be a heavy corn head and oh I don't know about tipping the tractor over and all this stuff and we just kind of stayed with 30s but I'll, I'll also say this look at the yield champs and the highest yields ever recorded in corn almost every one of those guys has been 30 intros. Okay, so I'm not saying that uh, 30 inch rows are bad. I'd prefer 20s, especially in our environment, just because you can close the row faster, you'll conserve a little more moisture, and you'll have better weed control. Uh, the flip side is you're going to have more disease pressure. So I just kind of keep in mind, you're either going to have to spray a little more fungicide or find a hybrid that has, or hybrids, that have better disease tolerance. So, I mean, I think it's pretty good either way. And, yeah, 20-inch rows would be nice for soybeans like that. So we, we like them. But I'll put it this way, and people ask about studies all the time. It depends a lot on who's doing the study, where they're doing the study, and when they're doing the study, and what ultimately they, how ultimately they want the study to turn out. So you can find some that are going to make 20 intros look good and some that are going to make them look bad, but we have a lot of positive things to say about 20 intros. Biggest negative is uh, that, that corn head's going to get more expensive. All right. Uh, yep. How y'all doing? Bill from Mississippi. Uh, so a uh, question I had was with the uh, salt index of the fertilizers. Yes. So, so down from where I'm at, uh, we have TSP availability. And uh, so I noticed that wasn't on there. Um, what is the salt content for TSP? I, I don't know off the top of my head. That is a great question. Well, can I ask you this? Yeah, so, go ahead. So we can get TSP all day. We can get DAP all day down yep. from, my, from where I'm at. So y'all yep. can't up north or so? TSP is not as available or something like that? Is why I never see it on, like, charts and stuff when I'm looking. Yep, and let's put it this way. Um, we are very concerned about fertilizer in furrow, period. Uh, corn is certainly more tolerant than soybeans. Soybeans, I mean, sometimes and in certain soils, you, you're going to struggle putting almost anything in furrow and seeing success. 
uh, with corn, we just want to be real careful. And a lot of times uh, here, the most popular thing is the liquid 1034L. And yeah. what we talk about is five pounds of salt max per acre in a 30-inch row. That's the most we ever want to see in our geography. But keep in mind, like where you're at, your soil is going to be different, but uh, maybe lighter, probably lighter. Light. Well, it's a 30cc what I'm working with. Oh, okay. So that's heavy. rice ground. ground. Yep. But the flip side is, you know, okay, whatever your soil type is, you're going to have to deal with a lot more rainfall than us, which means you can probably get by with more salt there. The only concern I have is, well, what happens if it doesn't rain for 10 days and you've got that seed right next to whatever fertilizer it is. But when you look at just this chart in general, you can see that a lot of the dry fertilizers we get much more concerned about. With some of the liquids, there are some liquid products that have some pretty low salt indexes. There are some lower salt liquid fertilizers. But yeah, we just want to be really careful. So uh, we can use almost anything in the furrow, it's just we have to keep dialing that rate down the greater the salt level is. So, but right, yeah. Which it would have been two by two or so. It wasn't going to be in furrow. Yeah, and if just, it's two by two, it. you can put on quite a bit. And so what ends up happening too, a lot of people now that are going for higher yields, they talk about this two by two by two. What that means is they want two by two on each side of the row. And basically that means, hey, we're able to put more fertilizer on, affecting put twice as much. Because the other thing that I'll say, even though a lot of people go, well, I can put whatever I want if it's two by two. Not really. Um, we've done this before where, well, I'll just put it this way. If you have too much concentration and all of a sudden that root hits it, it can literally burn off. Mm -hmm. So you mm -hmm. can dig around and you can see roots that end up being burned off. So we got to be careful with anything we're using, but the heavier your soil and the more rainfall you have, the better chance you have of survivability and the better chance you have to use a high rate. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Right. right. Next question back here. Yeah, you talked about having uh, raising optimum levels of P, K, other micros, nutrients. Yep. Uh, when you pick up some ground, but what about uh, you said that the optimum level for pH would be 6.8, but you're not going to put any lime on if it's above 5.9. Uh, okay. So what we have found is if we've got our pH in the sixes with corn and soybeans and wheat were relatively close to maximizing yield. And, and keep in mind, pH is really a function of what that balance of nutrition is out in the field. If you're going to make major nutrient changes and your pH is pretty close, you might adjust that pH just by adding the, the nutrients in the proper balance that you're shooting for. So if I'm going to raise alfalfa, and we are going to be raising some more alfalfa on our farm, then I do want to push it closer to that 7 mark. Okay, so then we actually will put lime on even if we're down at 6, 6, 1, 6, 2. But if we're corn, soybeans, or wheat, we found, and we've done a lot of work on this, we're going to be probably pretty close on yield, and we just don't want to get too carried away on how much liming we're doing on our farm. All right, we're talking about building up soils and raising the best corn you can raise, and we'll take your questions right after this. If you look close enough, you can see the hidden potential within your fields. That's why an agro-liquid nutrition plan starts with the crop and identifies the precise combination of primary nutrients while focusing on the support of secondary and micronutrients. So every nutrient is working in harmony for your crop to reach its full potential, maximizing growth while offering lower use rates. Apply less, expect more, precisely. 
Find an AgroLiquid dealer at agroliquid.com. Are you ready? We got the need. The need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? I'm Darren Hefty. We'll answer that question at our free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop Thursday, February 8th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep into your best options for control of yield robbing pests, trade options including extend flex and enlist, fertility, and much more. If you want to make raising beans more lucrative and more fun, come to the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at farmshopmfg.com. Join us in Houston for the 2024 Commodity Classic, New Frontiers in Agriculture. We'll close out the show on Saturday at the Houston Rodeo, the world's largest rodeo and livestock exhibition. Join us February 28th through March 2nd. Learn more at commodityclassic.com. Are you ready for better efficiency, more productivity, higher yields? Then you're ready for John Deere Precision Technology, which starts with three core pieces. First, a G5 display gives fast views of your work and a window to future technology. A Starfire receiver gives you sub-inch repeatable accuracy without an RTK base station. And a JD-Link modem gives you a live view of your entire operation. Get precise and talk with your John Deere dealer or visit johndeere.com backslash you're listening to ag phd radio thanks for joining us today we're broadcasting live from the morton center at the ag phd field day site following the ag phd corn workshop if you said oh man i missed your workshop today hey guess what you can find us on acres tv we're actually live streaming our workshops this year uh, just visit agphd.com for all the details all right let's take our next question I was wondering on Terry from Colton, uh, on his ARC and PLC, where you're going with it on your farm. <laughs> uh, we're not in the farm program anymore, so we're not doing anything. Uh, yep, so when it comes to government farm programs, there are a lot of options for you out there. There's ARC does PLC. There's also, you get in on the CSP program. They've got uh, uh, the CRP program. They, they got a lot of different options for you out there. Um, our dad was always a pretty big believer in we just want control and we want independence. And whenever you're in a government program, then they have requirements that may limit you on certain things, whether it's tiling or uh, uh, the amount of residue you're leaving on the soil surface, uh, just a number of things. So 
you just have more hoops to jump through. So, no, we uh, got out of the farm program, I don't know, 10 years ago, probably something like that. Uh, we have a couple landlords that we're working with that are in the farm program yet, and uh, I don't remember what we've done. I, uh, I, don't, I don't remember which one. I got to look back and see because for them, I got to make sure they get signed up again. Uh, I think it's, I, I can't, I can't remember for sure. I was thinking it was ARC, but I, I got to look up again what we decided before. So I don't have any real big opinion on it. haven't studied it much because I knew we were out of the program. All right. Take another question here. Yeah. You had mentioned that uh, we are, could possibly be overusing group 15 um, herbicides. Um, we usually use a lot of seed chlorine in the last seven, eight years. A lot of guys use on the corn. Yep. Um, would you say just some way to combat that, the resistance possibly, is to switch to a different AI within the group 15, like a Batuachlor, or go back and forth? What would be your... I, I don't know if switching within the group 15s is that big a deal, unless, you, I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with doing that. I, I just think using multiple modes of action to kill each weed is really important. So let's just say that you're using... Uh, metallochlor or using acetochlor but you're also putting roundup out there to kill any volunteer grass if there's no grass coming through then i'm not worried about it yep. so yeah it's not going to get resistant if you kill it so as long as you're doing a great job on the weed control i'm not super worried about it i would just say you know you reduce your odds of having a problem by saying okay i'm going to use group 15s in this situation but i'm not going to use them four times in my two-year corn soybean rotation I'm just going to use them twice. That That's probably a better strategy and then just use multiple modes of action to kill all the grass. I want to restate one thing Darren said very concisely for you. A dead weed can never become a resistant weed. So just make sure everything's dead out there one way or the other. I don't care how you kill it, and then you don't have to worry well, about that I, resistance I would say the all. biggest trend that I really like with the Group 15s is we're seeing more farmers saying, you know what, instead of a three-way combo, I'm just going to use a full rate of a harness out in front of my corn, man, that has really worked good. And that's what we used to do back in the 90s, and it worked great. And then we kind of went away from it. With uh, They used to call them Roundup Ready rates of, oh, let's just cut everything by half so we can spend more money on Roundup. Uh, I'm going to go back to how we used to do it because it worked really well, and I had clean fields all the way through the year. I love that full rate of a Group 15 early. Yep, but, yeah, I don't think you're going to gain much by rotating, but maybe you might gain a little bit. It won't hurt anything. I know that. Yeah, yep, yep, because think about even, like, dicamba and 2,4-D. Okay, we know there are certain weeds that have gotten resistant to 2,4-D, not dicamba, or maybe vice versa. Well, they're both group fours. So, you know, dual and harness, they're going to be just slightly different. So, yeah, it probably would help you a little bit. Uh, nothing major, but it might help you a little. All right, we'll take our next question back there. Bill from Nebraska, um, you mentioned that zinc can hurt biologicals and naturals. Yep. And copper is also bad for microbes. So my soil is low in copper, and you mentioned, you know, load it up and then do maintenance after that. Yep, yep. just broadcast it. So if you're putting it all in furrow with your microbes, then you're going to have mortality. If you're broadcasting the, the higher levels of microbes, no problem at all. Use your biologicals in the furrow or spray your biologicals foliar, no problem at all. So that doesn't have any effect on the microbes in the soil, you're saying? Yeah, it, it's not going to be a big deal. Nope. It's just when you have them super concentrated or you're mixing uh, the micronutrients and the naturals in the same tank, uh, then that can be a real problem. And with zinc specifically, we like the zinc sulfate formulations 
much better than ammoniated zinc or zinc citrate. Those are much more harmful to microbes. But yeah, in the soil, no problem. If you've got high levels of zinc and copper and all the microbes, that's awesome for crop production. Uh, it's just not going to be super concentrated like if you're putting them all in furrow. Yep. Yep, great question. Thanks for, we needed that clarification. Uh, where did Cody go? Yeah, Tim from Iowa. Um, I had three, I had two questions, now I got three. You keep saying <laughs> a full rate of, of capture. And I hear so many things. What is a full rate? That's a great question because now you can even use more. Uh, they they've uh, <laughs> they allow what twelve to fourteen ounces depending on your row spacing now. So uh, it used to be what eight ounces was kind of a max, and now we're seeing guys use even higher rates that are fighting heavy rootworm pressure and they don't want to use traits or they're in conventional corn. Uh, I, I'm fine with it that uh, you know the old. Uh, what, 6.8 or 8 ounces, and then utilizing the SmartStacks Pro or something like that to kind of hit it in more than one way. I think that works really good. Yep. Or That's more in a, in a non-GMO, you go more. Yes. You can. Yep. Okay. So um, I've been using a phosphite and a bifenthrin in furrow. Okay. And then I use a higher dollar fungicide like a Triva Pro or Moravisineo. Yep. At tassel with yep. the bifenthrin. Yep. Okay, now I'm being urged to use the phosphite in a cheap generic like Quilt XL and, and an insecticide at tassel time. What do you think? Well, so basically we're coming back to fungicide comparison then. Uh, which fungicide is going to be best? And so what? that's why we, we put together this little fungicide chart here uh, that hopefully I can get pulled up on the screen in just a second. The, the reason why I like looking at this is just because it does get very confusing. What's in each one of these products? So, for example, when I start talking about Quilt XL, uh, what's going to be in there exactly? Uh, what's going to be in there with Triva Pro and Miravis Neo? So, Quilt, you're talking Quadris Tilt. Okay. Yeah, one of the best names in ag chemical history, I think. It's pretty easy. What's in Quilt? It's Quadris and Tilt. That's yep. pretty simple. So Quadris is an SDHI that's not going to kill uh, many different diseases. No, Quadris is a strobilurin. Or, sorry, strobilurin that's not going to kill many diseases that are out there. So that's mainly for plant health. Uh, with the Tilt, that is one of the oldest triazoles that we've got. So it's okay. It's just not great. For example, I'd way rather have TopGuard or ProLine or Revisol. They're dramatically better than Tilt. Okay, and then you've got SDHI. Well, with the quilt, you're not going to get any SDHI. So what I'm saying is if you go out there with quilt, then all you're going to have is old tilt and quadris. It's not much. So go, yep, uh, yeah, give him the mic one more time. Yep, go ahead. But we're using this phosphite also. So, you know. They're, um, they're trying to cheapen up the phosphate, so what do you think? Sure. Would you just go back to your yeah. Yeah, well, Triva Pro or your Maravis Neo and forget? Yeah, will the SDHI deliver enough value that you don't care about being cheap? I think so. Yeah, I mean, to think that the phosphate is going to really ramp up our control on anything, uh, it's, uh, it, it's really pretty unlikely. So it's possible. I have never seen that, uh, but it's certainly possible. Oh, and by the way, 
Uh, in the back of your book, we had that chemical component chart, and I just wanted to highlight that one more time uh, because then if we're wondering, oh, what's Quilt Excel? Uh, we've got it right in there. Uh, that on it's just page. Uh, that's on page 94, just that it's uh, tilt and quadrus. So no, I wouldn't count on this phosphite being some great fungicide. Could it possibly help? It's possible. I just haven't seen that that's going to ramp it up that much to overcome the loss of the SDHI. All right, thanks for the question. Uh, getting a lot of questions around corn because we're following the Ag PhD corn workshop here. We're taking questions from our audience and your questions from home, radio at agphd.com is our email address to send those in. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings, experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids, extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. How can Naturals products help you raise bigger and better crops? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Biologicals, or naturals as we call them, are impacting every facet of agriculture today, and that will only grow in the future. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals Workshop, Wednesday, February 7th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of Naturals products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Do you want to optimize the amount of plant nutrition provided by the microbes in your soil? Source it. Want to replace 25 pounds of nitrogen and phosphorus per acre? Source it. Looking for a more cost-effective way to unlock your crop's potential and increase ROI? Source it. Easy to handle, apply, and store. To make your fertilizer plan more efficient, source it. Learn more at sound.ag.
Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We are live in the Morton Center today. Just finished up an Ag PhD corn workshop. If you'd like to attend an Ag PhD workshop this winter, we'd love to have you. We put these things on for free just to say thanks to you for watching us on Ag PhD TV and listening to us here on Ag PhD Radio. You can go to agphd.com to learn more about any of the events that we're hosting. And uh, right now we're going to get back to our audience here. Got some questions. Uh, so, yep, go ahead there, sir. Yeah, Blake from South Dakota. Um, you talked a lot about not getting over five pounds of salt in furrow. Yes. And then you talked a little that's, bit about that's two in 30 intros, yep. 30 intros, 30 yep. intros. Correct. And uh, you touched on that. We can get too much salt two by two. And some people went two by two by two. Yep. So what is kind of your rule of thumb on two by two fertilizer? <laughs> depends on how much rainfall you get. Depends on how heavy your soil is. Depends yep. on how much organic matter you have. Yep. But that number is a lot higher. Yep. So, yeah, we don't have a guideline because, um, usually we don't see lots of issues and also um, most farmers don't want to go with crazy ridiculous high rates we don't see anybody that says i'm going to put 30 gallons of 1034 out or anything like that so a lot of times it'll be oh i just want to put five gallons out or maybe let's 10. say let's well, you say you have heavy two, ground feel pretty good. heavy ground high organic matter but the soil is really depleted uh could you possibly do a pretty high rate alongside in a two by two yeah, you sure probably you sure could. Are you going to see a big gain on that? You might. You might very well see a big gain. Now, let's say that your soil is up to all of the preferred levels that we've been talking about the last couple of days at our workshops. Are you going to see a huge gain out of two by two? No. Then you'll see a gain out of a small rate. You probably won't see the big gain like you would otherwise because there's already plenty of nutrients out there. So, uh, and banding in general, I like a lot. Uh, I like having nutrients right where that root system is going to intercept it. I think that's a really good idea. Um, I don't have anything against it at all. I just think you are taking risk whenever you put a huge rate out relatively close. And, yeah, like Brian was saying, if you're going to put 30 gallons out with the planter, that's going to slow you down a little bit too. I know our, our guys on the farm get nervous whenever we talk about, hey, let's do X, Y, Z with the planter. Oh, boy, how much is that going to slow us down? Uh, so lots of things to think about. Hey, just to give you an idea, so our research lead, Glenn, uh, with his research planner, he's able to do a bunch of liquid 28%, and he'll do 10 gallons on each side of the row, 10 gallons. If you look on page 18, sorry, 19 in your book, and the salt index of liquid 28%, it's 63 versus 1034.0 is 20. So we were talking about five pounds of salt. That's really three gallons is what it amounts to on 1034.0. Okay, so... 28% has three times the amount of salt. And what's he putting on for a rate? Over three times the rate. So that's nine times the level. And he's had pretty good success with that in a lot of different soil types in South Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, and Minnesota. So I'm not saying, oh, that's for sure safe. But I can just tell you, even just from the work he's done, we found you can push the two by two a lot more than you can push that inferno thing. All right. Go ahead there, sir. Brett from Iowa. Uh, you mentioned spraying your pre really early, like in March, yep. uh, on semi-frozen ground. Um, if I want to incorporate that pre, is there any advantage to spraying that really early, or do you just do it right before you incorporate it? Or If you're going to incorporate it, I'd probably just do it right as you're, uh, as you're incorporating or right before you incorporate. 
So yeah, the spraying super early. It's really more, much more about, hey, I just want to make sure that um, I've got it out there. So if I don't incorporate, now I've had time and I've had time to get the rain to get it down into the ground. Yep. All right, go ahead. All right, Bill from Minnesota. Uh, I actually have two questions. Sure. One is, so I operate a feedlot. I put up a lot of stover. Uh, do corn diseases and soybean diseases in the stover, can they transfer through the manure to other fields? Is there certain diseases that might be more susceptible to that? And the other question is with Rise Up, uh, you guys talked about that earlier. So in uh, small grains, I bail a lot of that up. Does, would that also uh, cause lodging? Okay, so let's start with the Rise Up. Uh, will Rise Up lead to more potential lodging, it's certainly possible. Yep, you're going to have a taller plant. Just like pushing nitrogen and having a higher rate of nitrogen earlier in the season is also going to promote a taller plant. Now, the flip side of that is if you're going to have a taller plant, uh, we, we would encourage you at least be thinking about what's my potassium level. So when you talk about feedlot, I'm right away thinking manure. So if you're putting manure back, Odds are you've got fairly decent potassium levels, but just make sure your K levels are real good. And then it's, let's put it this way. Most of farming is really trial and error. So if it's me, I'd try some on, on some acres and I'd try it over the next, let's call it three years and just see how it works for you. If you're creating a whole bunch of lodging problem and you go, yeah, it's just, it's not working for me. Okay, then don't use it. But I doubt that it's gonna lead to a lot more lodging problems uh, for you, most likely, as long as you keep your potassium levels up. So I don't think I'm super concerned about that. Uh, as far as will the disease carry through the animal, is it possible? Yes. Do we see that uh, we have massive disease problems where manure is spread from any, any livestock? Uh, we, we see m a little more disease, I would say, mainly because there's just tremendous fertility in a lot of cases, and sometimes not everything is in balance. So in other words, it's very common for us to look at fields that have been manure, 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 and that's really about all they use for fertilizer, and something got out of whack. Like for us, for example, that dairy that I was, I've been talking about that's right over here, if all I used was their manure, I'd have a, a big deficiency with phosphorus. There's not enough phosphorus. Uh, there's a farmer we worked with in Iowa. For, we've worked with him for many years. He had so much manure, and he thought, I'm great on everything. We started looking a lot closer at his soil tests. He was way short on manganese. Soon as he took care of the manganese, his yields went way up, crops a lot healthier. So it's about making sure you've got good balance out there. Uh, but, yeah, is it possible the disease could carry forward? It's possible. I've never really looked thoroughly at any studies to see any specific disease. I Darren, haven't either. Anything, I haven't anything. either. Yeah, so I don't know about anything specifically. But I can just tell you from the time we were kids, we spread lots and lots of manure. Um, well, and, you know, here's another thing, too. When you think about that, running through that uh, room, and uh, that's going to break down a lot of stuff. And it's, it takes a long time to get through there. 
when when you look at composting though and a lot of times you'll yes. get guys that say well i still had pathogens uh in the compost they just didn't get the temperature up enough it wasn't hot enough for long enough to kill stuff off so but then it usually isn't compost so that's the way they take care of a lot of things so for example we have a lot of farmers or a lot of livestock people that are very concerned about uh, manure piles and the government's on them but as soon as they compost that hey we're good it's like potting soil now and the compost the point is it heats it way up and it does kill a lot of the pathogens so when you're just using manure you're going to have probably some disease it's carrying forward if you decide hey I want to compost this stuff now you're gonna kill off most everything that was left for disease did you have more more question Oh, that's the main thing I was wondering because on the bed pack, you know, you get a variety of hay and all different yep. stuff that doesn't run through the rumen that's, you know, just basically mixed with manure. So. Yep, yeah. yep. But, yeah, it's one of those things where, honestly, I mean, it takes effort to compost stuff. I'm probably just spreading manure, and I'm going to manage it from there. I'm going to use a good seed treatment. I'll use uh, some fungicide. Because, quite frankly, if something did pass through, there could have been something else out there, too, that I probably needed the fungicide for. And if you've got manure and you're going for big-time yields, you probably need some fungicide anyway. So I'm, I'm looking at that a lot harder than about anything else. Yep. Yep, go ahead. This is Kelly from Iowa. Close enough. <laughs> um, got a small field that's very low in uh, potash, and I was yep. wondering... What's the maximum amount of potash that we can put on how heavy in one the, season? How heavy is the soil? It's about a 20. Okay. Um, how much would you like to put out? Well, it was, it was trying to get up to 4%, and it's, it's under a 1% now. Okay, okay, so a lot. All right, we're going to answer that question right after this break. All right, we're talking about a lot of things around corn because we're wrapping up the Ag PhD Corn Workshop. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? I'm Darren Hefty. 
We'll answer that question at our free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop Thursday, February 8th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep into your best options for control of yield-robbing pests, trade options including Extend Flex and Enlist, Fertility, and much more. If you want to make raising beans more lucrative and more fun, come to the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Oh, I've been waiting all day for this question. I want to put on a lot of potash out there. Can it be done? How do you do it? Uh, what kind of limits are there? And of course, potash is potassium chloride. What about that chloride in there? Uh, how much of that can you tolerate as well? Yep. Okay. So first of all, the the heavier your soil and the more rainfall you have, the more you can put on. Uh, we don't have any exact number to tell you to say, well, here's your limit and this is all you can do. Uh, I would say we've gone as high as 1,400 pounds per acre on real heavy river bottom ground, zero ill effect. Uh, I'm not that worried even about the chloride there. A lot of people are going to talk about, oh, if you have a certain amount of chloride, then you're going to hurt your soybeans and hurt nodulation. We also haven't found that to be true. We've done lots of high rates over the years. We've worked with a lot of farmers who've done lots of high rates on heavy ground just haven't seen that issue. So if you come to me and you say, hey, I got 20 CEC and I want to put on 500 to 700 pounds of potash, I'm usually going to tell you I've, I feel pretty comfortable. I, I feel like your risk is quite low. Now, if you want to say, if you say, I want to put on two tons of, line, or of potash, I'd say, yeah, that's probably pushing it a little bit. So the other thing is, and I was saying this during the break, We've had some ground where it was in the same position that we're talking here, where it's, it's very low. We're trying to get to 4% base saturation K rather than doing it all in one shot. And I will do that. I'm, I'm comfortable doing that. But if you don't want to, just at least go double what crop removal is and just keep on a, a massive build program in consecutive years. Not every other year, just like literally every year you keep putting on double what the crop needs, double what the corn needs, next year double what the beans need, next year and, double what the corn needs until the you get to where you need to along. be. Bring the yep. other nutrients along. Don't say, oh, I'm putting all my budget into potassium. No, save some money for the micros and the other things that you need to bring up along the way too. Yep. So anyway, yeah, we're, we're big believers in getting our potassium levels up, but it doesn't all have to be done in one shot. We've had good success just uh, working on a build program over a period of years. All right, uh, ready for our next question? There, yep. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Doug from South Dakota. 
You've talked about putting your pre down, uh, like even when the weather's cold. Yes. I tend to till everything because I'm putting my fertility down into the ground a yep. little bit. Sure. Yep. Do you are you concerned about wheel tracks then from your pre, in your, uh, from the sprayer weeds? that went over there? Yeah. 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 Okay. Do uh, weeds have trouble there? Um, we don't typically see a lot of issues there. But I would say this, we got a couple of factors that we're thinking about. Number one is dust. So right behind those wheel tracks, it's possible if you're trying to drive 15 miles an hour in South Dakota, we know that it can get a little dry here. Yeah, and, 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 and you don't have to wait until spring either. You could do it in the fall when you're doing your fall fertility. But, but anyway. You uh, do it late fall. Yep, but people get worried about that dust. So I just say if I'm spraying a contact killer, I'm worried about the dust. If it's a residual herbicide, then I'm not too worried about the dust. So that part, not that big a concern for me. The other side is um, how deep are we going with our tillage? So I, I don't know what you're going to do and how things match up on your farm, but I'll say this. Um, when, you're, when you're going out there with any type of tillage, what we usually say is, uh, let's, well, okay, let's say we're, we're trying to till for uh, light incorporation for herbicides. We run a field cultivator on our farm. And I'm going to tell you, go as fast as you can. I just don't want you to bury that herbicide way down deep in the ground. I don't want you tilling down to six inches or anything like that because then the herbicide's probably down to three and it's too deep. And I don't like that. So go fast. But a lot of guys will say, well, I got to make sure that I cover the wheel tracks. So what we tell people is just put extensions on so you can lower your shanks or sweeps right behind where your wheel tracks are. Now, that doesn't solve the problem that you're talking about, though. Uh, but I'd say this, if you have a big boom like we do, we got a 120-foot boom, we don't have that many tracks going across the field. So at least in that pass, hopefully I can be driving my tractor with the tillage implement right where the other tracks were. And as long as I do that and I've got the extensions on, so I'm running a little bit lower there and the rest of the machine is all a little higher, it works out fine. Yep. So no, I don't have any real big concerns for what you're talking about. And here's the other thing. When you're going out there real early, this is kind of why I like spraying real early, like in March when the ground is uh, still firm in the morning, then thawing more in the afternoon. You don't make much of a track. So then I, I really don't have to worry about it. All right. Yep, go ahead, sir. All right, Charlie from Minnesota. Uh, question is similar to the question before the last one about the potash in high CEC soil. Yep. You were speaking specifically to a broadcast application, yep. what about strip till? How many pounds would you get? Uh, and where are know, the strips going to be? They're every 30 inches and yeah. you move them around year to year? Yes, how, move uh, them around every uh, yeah, 15 how, inch. Yeah. How deep? How deep is the fertilizer Six getting? to eight inches. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So we've done that um, six down clear to 10 inches about. And about double crop removal is about as high as we've ever gone. So 300, maybe maybe 400 pounds, something like that. Uh, but if it's heavier soil, I'm not like super worried uh, about going with three, 400 pounds, maybe even 500 pounds. But boy, you got that's a lot of concentration in a small area. So I, I don't know how high you're looking to go, but typically what we like to do is we like to build our soil test in a broadcast and we like to feed the crop in the band. 
So we'll typically just put out crop removal in that band or maybe a 10 or 20% bump, nothing super major. I, I feel much more comfortable with that. The other thing is this. If let's say you were building in strips, well, now your crop's going to be short over here. If you got a bunch of roots here, we're running short, short, short. And until they hit the, that heavy zone, they're short all the time. So I'm not saying it's terrible. Um, it might actually be fine, but it, it certainly is more concerning if you're going to do soil testing or anything like that because now all of a sudden if I hit the strip, oh my gosh, I got all kinds of K. If I'm in between, well, now I don't have very much K. So we like build in a broadcast is our preference. Okay, next one over here. Hi, uh, Corey from Wisconsin. So my question is, was the naturals or like the biologicals yep. products for corn, Yep. what would you recommend for best drought tolerance in a very light CEC yep. ground? Yeah, yep, I, like heat, I like heat shield. Uh, that, that one has worked quite well for us. Uh, but anything that's going to increase root mass too can also help. Uh, so, you know, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a plant growth regulator like MegaGrow that has auxins in it to help improve root mass. Uh, that could certainly help you access more of the water that's out there in your soil. But out, outside of that, I mean, my favorite one's heat shield. Would uh, BioWake Prime also work? Because that would improve root mass as well. Yeah, I mean, you could you could use that. It's a little. It's they're all different in the mechanisms that they're using. What I like about heat shield is I like that it's fungal endophytes, so it's fungus that lives inside the plant that has to keep the plant alive, otherwise it will die too. So you think about that. I mean, if somebody's outside and, and they're trying to attack you, if you got other people that, man, if I don't win, I'm dead too. I, I kind of like that. I like having people on my team that way. But nothing against BioWake Prime. I think that's absolutely worth trying as well. The other big thing when we start talking about drought tolerance is we want to reduce as much stress as possible because in a drought, any stress you have is going to be amplified. So... In, any insect problem is way worse. Any weed problem, way worse. It's just, it, it's so hard on your crop when it's under any other stress. So that's why, it, it, I mean, to, to Darren's point, could any of, any of these things be the best thing for you on your farm in a drought? It, it could be. Uh, but yeah, heat shield is the first one that I'm going to think about for a natural product because that is a, a, an absolute stress mitigator in terms of heat and drought. All right. Uh, I had a question yep, that came in ahead. from Bill. He said, does ProLiant work on alfalfa to increase tonnage? No, that's a grass product. Uh, Kurt said, what do you guys think about Storin, the new herbicide from Syngenta with two group 15s and two HPPDs? I mean, you certainly could use that, Kurt. We love the HPPDs. Uh, we love the, the group 15 products. I just don't want to overdo it. So I'd be careful with what rate I use. Uh, we've seen some guys, especially in drought situations, when they use really high rates of HPPDs, see some carryover. So I think that herbicide is going to be fantastic if you use it at the proper rate. Uh, I had this one come in from Brian. I've got no-till. What's the best stabilizer to prevent UAN, 32, or urea from volatilizing? Uh, there are a bunch of different uh, nitrogen stabilizers out there. And here's the key, Brian. Just whichever ones your fertilizer dealer carries uh, look at, do they protect against volatilization? Do they protect against leaching? Or do they protect against denitrification? If you're just concerned about volatilization, the cheaper products on the market are the best ones to use, which is kind of an awesome combination. And there's a bunch of different ones that just protect against volatilization. 
Well, we had fun today at the Ag PhD Corn Workshop. If you missed this workshop and you say, man, I'd really like to be at one of those workshops coming up, you can certainly find all the details at agphd.com on our upcoming meetings. Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.